As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, Jersey. The NFL playoff field has been set. We did not get the type of magic that we needed out of the Houston Texans to just totally forego this week. Although, a little bit of help from the Jaguars and a very, very, very legitimate threat of time Timmageddon nearly got us to maybe the most hectic possible evening of, of planning out what the Chiefs might end up doing in Wild Card Weekend, we knew they'd be playing a game after the Titans locked up the one seed. But guys, how seriously were you considering the possibility all the way into literally the final moments of overtime <laughs> that we might have actually gotten? We're so close to actually getting three AFC West teams in the, the AFC in the AFC playoff picture and also the worst beat of all time for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm, I mean... <laughs> Yes, I stayed up and watched it all. Um, I just couldn't believe the amount of fourth down conversions that the Chargers uh, yes. were able to get. I mean, for a second there, I was going to have to like seriously contemplate, man, maybe maybe other people are right. Maybe I shouldn't get off this drug called Justin Herbert. And then mm-hmm. it was the highest I've ever been on that drug in the fourth <laughs> quarter. <laughs> Justin Herbert is amazing. And I'm not backing down between him and Joe Burrow, but I mean, good for Derek Carr, uh, good for the Raiders who I truly believe. And I know this was put on Twitter uh, last night and maybe it was sort of discussed after the game, but it's like, Hey, Hey, uh, Hey, Hey Rich, if we don't kick this field goal, we have to go back to Arrowhead. Oh, 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 word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How many more yards can we get into field goal range? Mm-hmm. All right, let's do that. Um, yeah. it's not a great day for Brendan Staley, uh, <laughs> who I think is a great coach. I truly believe he's a very, very good coach, mm-hmm. but also it's not his fault that the Raiders realize if we tie, we got to play the chiefs again. And have you seen those first two games? Hell no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so here we are. Ben Roethlisberger gets one last ride. He's had this is his third last game, basically. <laughs> yep. It's incredible. 
Yeah, yep. I, he that would have been such a bad beat for the uh, for for the Steelers that I was rooting for it just yeah. because. And I understand the Chiefs as much as I think they can beat the Chargers. I think Herbert's good enough that Derwin James and Derwin James does stuff against Kelsey. He is a specific player. In well, that man, what an obvious dude. He's a specific player. This player, but he a is a guy unique who, talent and player. <laughs> yes, specifically to limiting the Chiefs' weapon. Yeah, yes. or like or like a Darren Waller type. You know what I mean? Like yeah. tight ends aren't going to assert themselves as well against him as they would against almost any other safety. So I get all of it. I I I ended up in like these these long drawn out conversations about time again and mm-hmm. like who whether or not it was smart for for the teams to do that and like so many people got mad at me on twitter and, no yeah <laughs> but like for my stance that like honestly if i were the teams and someone made a really good point that you know if you just kneeled it out and it was clear even if it wasn't agreed upon in advance that that really is collusion and it's like the the prima facie case for it is right there the, on the what field. That's in your um, foot, right? On, on the face of the document. Foot thing? Sorry. It's like in the arc the of the, the document. Oh. Um, and so it, it just means that, like, what I put in this paper, it would, if it's true, is enough. That's what you have to show, like, when you file a criminal complaint. Anyway, so um, I threw myself there. No, uh, I, so, I love it when you talk lawyer to us. It really adds oh, another yes, element to this yes. podcast. Another fun thing. Um, so it's Latin and no one knows how to pronounce it. Mm. People say prima facie. People say prima foci. Well, not that one. But foci. No is one, it F-A-C-I? F-A-C-I-E. I-E. Facia, I would have gotten that. I took, I took a full year of Latin in high school. Fun fact. My gosh. Totally That's useless. So useless, yeah. <laughs> um, so, and and I know it's not what happens. So it's it's just interesting to me how differently certain people view competition, mm. and 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 I totally understand the idea of like wanting to win for mm-hmm. sure, mm-hmm. and only in very rare circumstances would I ever even consider something like that. Right. Like I'm not really a tank the season kind of guy, depending on the situation. Tank for Tua. <laughs> and, and and sometimes that stuff just doesn't work out. No, but, it doesn't. Which, yeah, we, we should talk about that if we have time. But to me, what you do, I mean, this is like straight Sun Tzu stuff, right? The, the greatest way to, to, to win a battle is to avoid having to fight it at all. Ooh, if you can... The most you, cultured start to an episode of ooh, Times Ours ever. Talk to him, Seth. If ooh. you can guarantee the result that you're looking for, which is a playoff berth, without having to accept any risk of the bad result, it's kind of exactly what we were talking about with Andy Reid against the Bengals, right? Like, what you're supposed to be doing is looking at potential results, the likelihood of those results, and how you can eliminate those results. It's the same reason um, people enter plea agreements, or enter negotiations and settlement discussions in legal cases, right? Because you have a guaranteed result. So what the play is, I, I bet you anything, if the Chargers could go back in time and figure out some way to collude with the Raiders, they'd do it. Because mm-hmm. now they're on the outside looking in and all that talk about beating your chest and competition and blah, 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 blah. I guarantee you they don't give two craps you about that. play to win <laughs> the game. Exactly. Yeah, and all that is great stuff. And you do play to win the game. But what is the game? What is winning? Yeah, I know we're we're getting deep today. What is winning? Yes, winning. I'm like Rosie. This is gonna be before your time, Josh. But Nate, I'm Rosie right now. Sometimes when you win, you lose. Lose, but you You lose. (laughs) Sometimes you do not really. 
This is all in one book? <laughs> Latin was also man. before my time. So, that we're, some, well, that's well. some white man can't jump for you there, Josh. Um, but Harrison some, Snipes, you got you got you got to watch that. But sometimes the, that, that's the best. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes. Um, I it's just, just interesting. I, well, we, we we talked to Andy Reid uh, today on Monday, um, and it was just fascinating that like he just like everybody else is on the couch or maybe in the facility uh, watching the early slate. Who Hard Knocks is going to be amazing <laughs> this week? Um, is anybody watching that? By the way, I oh, forgot I, that was happening until oh, the tweets this week. I have forced Hard Knocks on both my wife and Emily, my sister in law. Like when, like really? I made them watch several episodes of this during the Christmas break because um, because Emily spent time with us for for Christmas. Um, and and of course, Emily's texting me like, "Are they about to lose?" And I'm like, "Yeah, Hard Knocks made you care about Carson Wentz, Darius Leonard." Jonathan Taylor, and yeah, they're about to lose. They're, they're, yeah. Their whole season, poof, um, poof, poof. Uh, by the way, Trevor Lawrence was excellent yesterday. Um, <laughs> yeah. With with all that, Andy Reid is just watching games, and he's like, "Okay, um, looks like we're gonna get the Steelers. Uh, the Steelers do just about everything to lose and win at the same time, and they ended up winning. So." I know Andy. The dude was like on part three of like whatever in terms of game planning. And then kickoff occurs between Raiders Chargers. And he's like, I mean, this isn't really gonna mm-hmm. r- really, really? I have to stay up till eleven fifteen to make <laughs> to make sure that I can continue to scout Ben Roethlisberger and TJ Watt and Cam Hayward. Like, what are we what are we doing, guys? Um and so he he said that it was one of the most exciting, if not the most exciting, regular season finale week in NFL since he's been in the league, which is basically like the mid-90s. Um, so I found that to be fascinating. But just just the idea of like Andy being like, no, we were already on Steelers. I had already watched the last six games. Obviously, we had already self, self-evaluated our game against them. What, what do you take from that game? Just on a side note, okay, guys, we should stop watching this because we're going to get way too confident. Yeah. No, no. We, we reviewed the tape and we rock at football, actually. I, I so. mean, and we get Kelsey and Tyreek Hill back? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so they did all that. And then at 11.15, my man was like, so are they really about to tie? They're they not, <laughs> they not about to tie, are they? Like, I'm going to have to stay up another couple hours to look at the Raiders what what are we doing what are we doing yeah um but look every Chiefs fan should take this moving forward if there are family members who are Raider fans if there are friends who are Raider fans uh if you know just anybody who roots for a team that just got into the second playoff run since 2002 I believe um good grief is that right it's right it's right I mean Derek Carr quote Never played in a playoff game because unfortunately he got injured when they when they went into the playoffs Holy that one smokes. year. It's it's wild. Um but look, Chiefs fans can hang this over the Raiders fans forever. Y'all didn't want to see us. Y'all mm-hmm. didn't, didn't want to see us. <laughs> like remember remember that twenty twenty one season where you could have just kept everybody healthy, got some ties, uh, you know, 
told your fan base, hey, we made it to the playoffs, but y'all want to see us. Mm, nope. So, hey, they get the Cincinnati Bengals in a game that is, like, really interesting. Um, yeah. But I, I'm just convinced, the more I think about it, that the Raiders were just like, well, we're already at midfield. Mm-hmm. And we don't really want to play the Chiefs. So... <laughs> why don't we have the Steelers do it? Just for uh, just a little a little uh, flavor text here, just in case anybody forgot, the Chiefs did beat the Raiders um, eighty nine to twenty three this year. Yep, which is like Alabama versus Vandy stuff, like that. Yeah. Like that's a bludgeoning. Um, right. So there you have it. It's Sunday Night Football. Chiefs Steelers, the third last laugh from Ben Roethlisberger, perhaps. And you know, if the Steelers win, then it only continues. And uh, guys, I got to be honest. I don't think I really see a universe in which um, any of the things that do make me nervous about this Chiefs team, which are legitimate, there there are plenty of things. I don't think that the Steelers are particularly suited to do much about any of those things, but I also do want to save some of that conversation for later in the week, for even later in the show, because we also like have a Chiefs football game that we haven't touched on yet, because oh, yeah. it, it didn't really well, matter in, in some senses, but the Chiefs I mean, won the, that game to lock into the two seed. After the first drive, the Chiefs weren't aware they were playing in a football game. I don't know why we would... <laughs> right. And, and look... Normally, whenever people talk about, ah, they're not showing any heart, they're not showing any grit, people, that's just stuff people say mm-hmm. when the game's going poorly. It's like, players I've talked to, they know that their tape is their resume. They're always trying. Jeff Schwartz once said, like, if you don't try hard for a single snap in the NFL, you get killed. Like, you get mm-hmm. blown up because everyone's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, But this time I was like, yeah, they're they're there. They're like there. You know what I mean? Like they showed up and they were like, oh, Denver, come on. It was kind of like a, an older brother, younger brother fight where the younger sibling is just big enough to maybe credibly win if the older sibling doesn't try a little. Mm-hmm. And the older sibling's like, come on, Jen, come on, man. Do we have, don't knock it off. Seriously, knock it off. <laughs> you know what I mean? That like that yeah. was what the game felt like because it was it was a frustrating performance to close the season. Um and so maybe that's why we ignored it for a while. Well, I mean, but also the more like the most interesting stuff is the stuff that and the more recent stuff all happens after that game did. But yes. I mean, there there's a couple of little things of like that I would point to directly of just like what what was the the PTSD that we were going to have from the Bengals game? It was Jamar Chase. And is there going to be anything else you learned from that? And Drew Locke had Jerry Judy on the opening drive and and couldn't connect. And that sort of spooked me. And then there was a play later in the game. Like, oh, you know what? Like, this just sort of chuck it up there. Jerry's down there somewhere, ball. Drew Locke and Jerry Judy aren't aren't Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase on that front. <laughs> right. But that has still couple. worked against the Chiefs now a couple of times. Um, the Chiefs will never go for it on fourth and six. They would rather punt for 20 <laughs> yards of field position. And I'm just going to have to learn to deal with that. Also, um, Also, just... Guys, I, I I tried. You know, I was sympathetic. I I I brought a lot of compassion. Yeah, man. I I just I don't know what to say about Zane Anderson. I just, who Um, yeah. If he's in uniform on Sunday night, I would I would question Dave Tobe. Um, but I there's always something. Um, 
in these games, fellas, especially when one team is playing for their employment status in the future and one team's playing mm-hmm. for like, hey man, we just trying to we just trying to get come on man, we done played the most games since twenty eighteen, like uh, We're tired. We just come on man, like it's high altitude. Yeah, could you not? Oh. Like <laughs> And then Zane Anderson was like can I? Can you want to make this game entertaining? Can I make this game entertaining? Because <laughs> I'm a, I'm gonna be out here trying real hard to block this punt, even though there's 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 just there's just no reason. You're you're already up. You're already up seven nothing. You're getting the ball back. Mm-hmm. So um, I thought the Broncos were very close to sort of laying down uh, respectfully, you know. But then, <laughs> but then, <Jeepers. laughs> but then Drew Locke, you know. Let them on the touchdown drive. Good for them. And all, you know, no bad team needs motivation is what I'm trying to get at. Um, do you that, was, that was the funniest decapitation I've ever heard in my life. Do you? Look, all due respect. Respectfully, they knew they sucked and shouldn't be trying. Respectfully. Now, now. I've always said, and I know Josh, if you're if you're worried about fourth and six from the plus side of the field, basically. Um, okay, so I've said this about Vic Fangio several times. God oh, bless yeah. it. God bless his football soul. Gosh, but do you really want to win or just look <laughs> good losing? Yeah, this man every time he played the Chiefs was like, "I'll take the look good losing for uh, for four hundred, Alex." <laughs> yep. yep. Do you no, real Do you really want to win or just look good losing? And my God, that is the entire Vic Fangio saga in Denver. Because, yep. who? I mean, if your guys have tried that hard when they had quote nothing to play for, and you've made it this far in the game, just yeah. just go for it, man. Just that was, you I. Know, you know you're going to get fired, which is why he was like, have you seen the quarterbacks in the division compared to ours? Yeah. Which yeah. even Ho- even Holly was like, what is he doing? And I was like, he know, he, he know, he, he's already packed his stuff up, babe. He's already, he already, he's already made a couple calls and he was just like, look, we didn't, you know, I'm not saying Vic Fangio was looking at the betting line, but he was like, we did our job. Mm-hmm. So, um. But yeah, you know I've seen I've seen some some cowardly field goal kicks. Whew. Well, that that one I wouldn't even qualify that one as cowardly. That one was resigned. Yeah, you it was another I mean? white flag. It was the Raiders it's, at the end of the first it, half. This was just at a time when they they actually still had a chance to win the game, which is even more embarrassing. Well, yes. and that's yeah, and it, you know it, what it, it was almost. It's running a it's it's running a quarterback sneak on third and nine inside your own oh five. <laughs> Is Joe Judge and still then, employed? And then keeping your yes. job, even yes. though no keep look, job. Look, I in terms of a this is a business, ladies and gentlemen. Never forget this. This is a multi-billion dollar industry, okay? There it's it's a cartel, it's a monopoly. There are no other football entities in America <laughs> making money to compete against this entity. All that to be said. When you drive up to MetLife Stadium and it's just nobody there, how can you keep the coach? Yeah. How? I, I like, just like there are pictures on Twitter, and I was like, is this a like you would see more cars in a preseason game? 
Like, what? Like, there's nobody there. There are, look, I respect Saints fans who wear paper bags over their heads when I was learning about the sport in the 90s. Hell, I love when the, you know, when the Falcons didn't have Mike Vick no more and they were like, where the paper bags at? Because I can't, I can't visibly show my face. Jags fans showed up in clown makeup and their team won. And I have never, like, the New York Giants are a model franchise and they have fans with paper bags over their heads. How <laughs> does this man have a job? When I, I would can, tell, can, would tell it, tell it to him again. Third and nine. How running a quarterback <laughs> sneak? That's the level there. How Zoe? How? How is Rocco going to eat that cookie? How? <laughs> Which that was the same thing. That was the same thing I felt about that field goal. But that was way worse than Neil. And how do you expect fans to show up for that? Like every now and then, and I don't know. I, I'm getting too confident being on my own. I guess or you know, semi on my own, like an independent freelance type guy. And I have no problem saying sometimes the NFL is just like. Yeah, we don't care that you're not happy. Like yeah. teams to the fan base, they're like it just the the level of and nepotism is the wrong word because it's not necessarily just family members, although it's a form of nepotism. But the lack of Kevin uh, Clark wrote a great article about this about the lack of creativity and and trying a different process mm-hmm. in finding coaches. I mean, this like people are talking about Bill O'Brien again. Like it's just like. How, how, Zoe? Like, (laughs) it's baffling. And no other multi-billion dollar industry, well, not no other, but most others, don't get away with that level of glaring incompetence from franchises. Like, let me just tell you, if the NFL were a McDonald's, or we were the McDonald's corporation, and the Giants were a franchise, right? They were a McDonald's franchise being run in, in Park Rapids, Minnesota. And they were being run this incompetently. I promise you, McDonald's, the corporation, would have bought them out by now and said, you, sir, can no longer run a McDonald's. The NFL doesn't quite work that way because there are only so many people who can buy an NFL franchise. But the level of staggering incompetence that they're allowed to get away. This would be like if people were driving through that McDonald's franchise. We're continuing this analogy. I'm beating it into the ground. And they were ordering a burger, and they handed them, like, I don't know, some chapstick. Or 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 a medium <laughs> Pepsi. A me- yes! Yes! We don't even... The analogy got landing home. I forgot how on the nose that is. Like, how do you have people... Look, I'm sure whoever had that idea listens to Time's Ours, I'm sure. That is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. And whoever thought that was a good idea should maybe not be fired. You know, people have kids to feed. I get that. But they're bad at their job, at the very least. Like, you could train them a little bit. Like, what? That's the most insulting. That's fan appreciation team, free media beverage for season ticket holders and one per season ticket holder, please. Like, I'm sorry. So that Joe Judge kneeling on third down like that, or not kneeling, it was a QB sneak. That was the respect. that was the medium Coke of play calls. Pepsi. And medium Pepsi. I'm sorry. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. But but hey, this this should all this should remind Chiefs fans of how yes. fortunate or blessed 
or just like you're in a renaissance era with this team um, where you have the most talented quarterback in the league. Like it's just who, by the way, with a patchwork offensive line against the Bengals and with Tyreek Hill um, dealing with a heel injury or a sore heel uh, even before kickoff was like, that's fine. Like I'll just play excellent. It doesn't matter who's, you know, let's get Jared McKinnon some touches who, by the way, played excellently. Um, but like, they just, you have a hall of fame coach. You have a quarterback who has the most hall of fame resume in the shortest amount of time possible. Um, and like the chiefs got to week 18 and was like, I mean, I guess we'll win. <laughs> Are you going to, if you're going to make us like yeah. if, if we don't have any other choice, we can play and win, Since you're I guess. Insisting. Yeah. Since you're insisting yeah. that we play a game. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, Drew, I mean, look, Drew Locke is, is Kansas City's own. Um, I, I thought he was going to be better. I really did. Poor Drew Locke. I mean, he had one of his best games of his career. And then he had he had no idea what to do to tackle Nick Bolton. Had just had no idea. Just <laughs> how, how do I tackle this man? Like, oh, okay, he has the ball. <laughs> what what do I what do? Do I hug him as if he's my boy? Because like we were former yes. teammates in college. Like now he's spinning out of my hands. Like now I gotta chase him. Like what? I mean, poor Drew Locke. Yeah. Well, that was, I mean, that, what Drew Locke, that is exactly what I would do if Nick Bolton picked up a football in front of me and someone told me to tackle him. Like, that is literally what I would do. I'd be like, ugh, kind of grab him for a minute, like, ah, no, he's gone. You got to sell it a little bit. You're like, like, there is no way. Like, this man is basically running with a jet pack and an extra 80 pounds or something. Yeah, maybe you, maybe, I would have honestly... The only way it could have been funnier would if he would be had if he had just jumped on him and wrapped his arms and legs around him like my kids do when they wrestle me <laughs> and just that slowed him down enough to like yeah like a backpack yeah you put him like a backpack that would have been because I guarantee you Nick Bolton is not a perfect player but I guarantee you he could carry Drew Locke on his back like a backpack and still run pretty fast. But it would give, and, but it would give like a receiver yeah, a chance to yeah, catch him. Yeah, rock yeah. back and forth and hope that it, he falls hey, over. Hey, 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 hey! He did, he did more than Teddy Bridgewater, right? Against Darius uh, Slay. Yeah, I mean, t- Teddy was just like, "No, baby, I, I got checks to cash." No, <laughs> yeah. I'm, Teddy's know, been in this league. Teddy's to, been in this league a little longer. He's yeah. seen some stuff. No, yeah. Teddy's good out here. Yeah. No, my job, my job, my job description has nothing. Of any kind that says tackle associated with it. No. Yep. He he sees Chase Daniel tweeting about making $50 million oh. in the course of his career. He's like, I want that. I could be that guy. Or did you guys see um, who, who's the guy that got aced out by Russ Wilson? Uh, Flynn. Matt Flynn, Matt yeah. Flynn, when he tweeted out about like his career. And so was like, hey, remember when Seattle paid you all that money like as a disc? He quoted. He's like, yeah, it was awesome. It was yeah, awesome. Off of, really one, <laughs> off of one game, by the way, in week 17. So like, hey, you know, hey. That was that was the greatest quote. Like, yeah, that was awesome. awesome. When, when that pro football team paid me like tens of millions of dollars. Yeah, that was amazing. Of course, I remember that. It changed my life. And that's what Drew Locke saw. He's like, man, 
I'm going to be a backup in this league for a minute if I just don't die at the hands of Nick Bolton in the next 10 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> and, and hey, you know what? After seeing what had just happened, yep. much bigger, much stronger Melvin Gordon, yep. was he even going to risk that, like, man, what if that dude gets up, sees that I'm trying to tackle his boy, and literally rips me in half? Because let me tell you, Melvin Ingram could literally ripped Drew Locke in half. What a segue there, Seth. You know, I'd love it if you'd talk a little bit more about what Melvin Ingram has shown. Now, look, I... Actually, let me let me check. Hold on. Let me. I'm going to tell you what Melvin Ingram has done, and you tell me what you think Melvin Ingram has done, okay? I... Hold on, hold on. I'm going to go first, though. So, Melvin Ingram um, had a pretty quiet four total tackles, three of them solo tackles. I remember that off the top of my head. Uh, One tackle for loss. So, another pretty quiet day for Melvin Ingram. Um, Do you think that they could actually maybe flip him back, even though it's after the trade deadline, and try to get that sixth rounder back? Or You you know, I I, (laughs) if only they could. Did Melvin Ingram, like, is he mean to the media or something? Because, like, a couple of Pittsburgh media are just, like, determined to, like, oh, yeah, well, he hasn't really done anything. And that one, one, of, one of the people that wrote about it, I had some pre-existing thoughts on that ended up correlating to him not being very good at the story that he wrote. I don't mm. know about anybody else that's written about it. but Oh, wow. I've just seen two different guys tweet about it. In terms Who's the of second? Who is the second one? Do you, I do don't you know? remember. I think All I right. quote tweeted him saying basically a version. I it was some version of tweets like this are why I have a job. Like, Ooh, that's really good. Because it's just the truth. And, <laughs> a, and the reason I had to quote that is him devastating. was because he had turned off replies. Awesome. And, and so here's the deal. Melvin Ingram has not statistically done a ton. But for one thing, let me just say, if there's one thing he's done is he erased Melvin Gordon from existence. And I think that was you, Josh, that said, like, he was, like, mad that there was someone else named Melvin. Yes! <laughs> he was like, I w- there can only be one Melvin. And just, I mean, that was, like, some people were comparing it to the clowny hit in college, which the clowny hit was harder. Yeah. Considering this is the pro level, and, and Gordon saw him coming and started to spin away. Like, it wasn't just a surprise. He just hit him so hard that the spin away did not, matter and that is about as hard as i've seen a running back get hit at the nfl level where they kind of saw it coming mm. like i mean he just decleated him and again i understand why drew lock was scared <laughs> like yeah. i was he, scared and i was i, I was, was not in denver <laughs> yeah I mean, like, those those are some of the best hits when like the crowd and this is like you know a home crowd away crowd it's like oh it's like oh my <laughs> gosh like, those are the hits that remind us when people are like, oh, could I gain one yard? You, because you would get hit differently than the way you see guys get hit on TV because you're not fast enough. Mm-hmm. And you would just get obliterated. And so Ingram, if I could just say, so I mean, I wrote about him, obviously, as I'm sure our, read, our listeners have figured out um, from the lead-in. Um, That's at mnchiefsfan.substack.com, by the way, the Chief yes. in the North newsletter. Yes. And so um, Ingram, on a day where the most of the rest of the defense, and there were some exceptions to this, wasn't tackling particularly well. No, they were not. Was, was looking <laughs> a little, they were looking a little disinterested yeah. in a way that normally I would argue with people about. But this time I was like, yeah, that makes sense. I can understand why people feel that way. Um, that on a day where everyone else – 
Melvin Ingram was out there playing his bleep off. He was out there hitting people constantly. And you need guys like that. You need guys that every now and then will just smack someone. I'm always talking about what a beautiful sport football is. And it is. Everything's interconnected. And I've talked about how the interconnected things that Ingram does complements what they need on defense. But also, sometimes it's a very simple game. Like when you've got a dude that is weirdly strong for his size, because he's kind of undersized for a Spags defensive end, but he's weirdly strong. And when you've got a guy that just never stops, that matters. And it mattered there because really the Broncos, they might have pulled that one out. I think Mahomes would have done just enough at the end. But it was I was getting a little nervous there. Mm-hmm. So that that that's what he he ultimately brings those things that we've kind of started to scoff at because it got talked about too much in the past. You know that hard nose nature and all these unquantifiable things. Mm-hmm. They do matter. We just don't know when or how much. But we got to see a couple plays, and it wasn't just the big play there. There were a couple other stuffs that he had on some pretty important parts. He was the guy that was pressuring, um, executing a stunt really well that pressured Locke. Uh, near the end of another drive that resulted in a field goal. I mean, it was it was just, a, well, that resulted in what shouldn't have been a field goal, but I digress. <laughs> um, so it's just, it's cool to see that with Ingram. And I'm kind of glad for him with the stuff that's been said, not by like the Steelers, like Tomlin was pretty honest, like he didn't want to be here. And that's fair. That's how Tomlin operates and good on him. I, I really think that's all there was to it. I think in terms of purely with the team, Ingram wanted out because he wasn't getting played as much. But he kind of has a chance for a little redemption here, especially with some of the stuff the press has said. So I'm excited for him. It's going to be fun. Yeah, he also, just to be clear, has fewer tackles for the Chiefs this year than DeAndre Baker and Armani Watts do. So (laughs) I don't know. Also, by the way, do you know that Frank Clark has one fewer tackle than Alex Okafor and four fewer tackles than Mike Dana? I know there's some missed time in there, but that's genuinely actually kind of surprising. Doesn't mean anything. It's not an opinion. Just kind of, oh, that's surprising. Just... (laughs) Maybe not being run towards all that often. I don't know. But all of those people have been more productive than Melvin Ingram. Yeah. Well, I mean, pretty much anyone has if you ask <laughs> <That's right. laughs> certain media members. Wow. So with, with that, with that, you know, shot across the bow, I'm yeah. going to bow out. And I'll let you guys talk about it. And we'll, we'll, we'll break down Pittsburgh later this week, I'm guessing. That yeah. sounds good. Thank you, Seth. And I just will, I will say it and we'll suggest this. Don't worry about anybody at Pittsburgh uh, snapping back at you because none of them actually watch or listen to what they're talking about. So... Not none of them. The Not, particular yeah, yeah, yeah. ones we've been directly throwing shade at. Yeah, right. I and mean, I, do, I actually did not recognize the name of the guy that Seth tried to murder earlier. Um, it's a very good tweet, though, of, of crediting someone else with their their take being so dumb that they are keeping you employed is yep. uh, really great work. I do love that. Good work by Seth. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, um, the Steelers press corps is, uh, you know, they've been doing this a long time. Um, <laughs> this is what I'm ultimately trying to get at. But, yeah. you know. Um, That's hey. a very, you know what? That's a very eloquent way of saying something that everyone immediately understands. Yeah, exactly. Now, you know, it'll it'll be fun. It'll, it'll be really fun. Uh to put these teams back together, you know, I thought, um, and I was telling people that I thought that they were going to put Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs on Monday Night Football. Um, but, you know, they are on Sunday night. They do get, you know, the the, the NBC crew. Uh, how, you know, it's, it's such an interesting situation to be in because... And I think this will be the case moving forward too, Josh. Um, because you're now playing 17 games, like all these games might be rematches in the playoffs. Mm, like that's it just, true. Like it just, it, like you know. Um, now the Raiders are going to Cincinnati, which I believe Cincinnati went to Las Vegas. Um, obviously, the Steelers and the Chiefs are a rematch. Obviously, it's you know you're gonna have more chances for divisional games in the first or, or second round. Obviously you see that with, with Patriots, um, bills and, you know, I just, I get the sense that Ben Roethlisberger, uh, you give him a chance in the fourth quarter or in overtime, and he's going to do just enough. Um, but that's asking a lot, of course, when you're going up against a, a team that dominated you the first time, uh, right. Should have more of their star players back. Uh, yes, we'll see if there's any news in terms of the the, the COVID nineteen list, um, but hopefully that's not the case for either team. But yeah, it's just it's a weird situation because I think Melvin Ingram was in Pittsburgh for what all of like four months, like mm-hmm. training camp September October, so maybe three months. You know, yeah, like four, like yeah. So he was only there for a short period of time, and I find Melvin Ingram to be captivating because he does not use he he gets to he gets to the point very quickly in answers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if that bristled some people in Pittsburgh. Are and, we gonna are we are we gonna get to talk to him this week? Do you think? Oh, I would hope so. But you know that's up to the Chiefs PR staff, which you know their prerogative. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I do get the sense that. If he, it's it's understandable for him to like not want to be there anymore, as Seth mentioned. But Mike Tomlin is one of the better coaches in the league, so it's like, huh, why why didn't that work out? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they didn't get the answers they wanted, um, and so it's just it's this perfect symmetry that yet again, you know, the volunteers versus the hostages part <laughs> two. <laughs> I'm so excited just to get to reuse all these jokes again. You know, I, I don't even have to write new ones this week. 
So we're all safe. Um. Now here's something I had not considered, Josh. Okay. And this is from uh, our guy Jeff. I'm not gonna pronounce his last name because I'm really bad at it. <laughs> but he did. Sorry, Jeff. Jeff, you know who you are. Thank you, sir. But he he basically asked us on Twitter. You know, it seems like the Chiefs had a tough game against you know almost every week, which you could say yes and no to that. Um, but they did end the year, and this is what Jeff mentioned that they did end the year with the um, with the hardest strength of schedule. Um, and I believe based on his tweet, uh, the Chiefs' strength of schedule was I'm also gonna thirty eight. I'm also gonna I'm gonna take a stab at it and say thanks to Jeff Steenhoke. If that's wrong, I'm sorry, Jeff, but I at least gave it the old college try. And this is why you're a professional broadcaster, and I'm yeah. just I'm just someone who writes names correctly. <laughs> Never says them out loud unless I hear them multiple times. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um So now that you've added a 17th game, by the way, on a field that was cataclysmically bad. Oh. Uh which I think I think I called it chunky chili at one point. Ooh. I'm sticking to my guns on that. Ooh, that's a that's a really good comparison. And I wondered if that got into the mind of the Chiefs defensive players too, because you're 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 already in a reactionary state, and now mm. it's like I don't want to pull anything or slip, and all of a sudden, like I, I I wonder how much that was in players' minds. And of course, um, you know we we don't get we didn't get a real opportunity to ask about that. Um, Andy Reid said that, hey, they are they were aware of it in the pregame. But of course, you're going at like, I don't know, 75% in pregame. Like you're not you're not going full speed. Um mm-hmm. unless you're Tyreek Hill. Uh <laughs> maybe that's why you you hurt your heel. But I just get the sense that because you added a 17th game, because you've played as many games as physically possible um since 2018, that yeah, everybody was gunning for them. Um, it does serve them moving forward. Uh, but it is impressive that the team did go 12-5 and five, um, with the hardest strength of schedule in the league, mostly because, you know, the league is sort of designed that way. When you get to the Super Bowl, the next season is supposed to be that much harder, um, yeah. which it proved out here. But I, I wonder um, if they stay healthy, if that will serve them. In the postseason, starting obviously Sunday against the Steelers, the the only two little things I'd poke at on the strength of schedule front, and this isn't an argument by any means. I just think it's kind of interesting. Is that they they played a version of the Packers that instead of being the one seed in the NFC would have been like a six win team maybe um, if they would have been that Aaron Rodgersless version. And and also, I mean, their their a lot of their losses did come against teams with a. Uh, an excellent record and ultimately uh, yes. ending up in the playoffs. So I, I wonder what that what those numbers look like. It's very interesting from Jeff. It's a good it's a good call. Um, I do wonder what that looks like if you adjust it for wins and losses and kind of how that reflects on teams. Because like the Steelers also ended up having the second hardest strength of schedule by percentage against or in the uh, AFC playoff See, picture. Yeah. Does that mean they're actually better than they are? No, I actually think that they're worse than their record says they are. You know, they, they've won a ton of a, a ton of one score games and stuff. Um, uh, things interesting, but it, it is fascinating to me too that we got probably the worst version of TJ Watt against the Chiefs. Oh yeah, that's true. Um, and then they played the Browns, I believe, the following week, and I was like, "Who the hell is this guy?" Mm-hmm. Um, 
because he was he was a monster. And then uh, you know, he obviously tied the record um for the most sacks in a single season with Michael Strahan yesterday. Um it was also hilarious to me that that Huntley <laughs> need him in the balls. <laughs> yes. Yes, he got look <laughs> TJ Watts got a lot of sacks this year, and and then Huntley got one of uh he got TJ Watts sack. It was it was hilarious to me just because um <laughs> it's like that's your that's your reward. It's just yes. like <laughs> the quarterback being like hiya. Uh, your reward for overwhelming greatness as a as a pass rusher yeah. is that you are about to be obliterated here for about two and a half minutes. So uh, I guess at the time when he played the Chiefs, he was dealing with cracked ribs. I don't know how those ribs have gotten healthier since, uh, but they <laughs> apparently they have. Um, so that's you know that that'll be a fascinating little wrinkle as, as in terms of like you know I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about it later on this week about like how much can you really take from the first game now that we yeah. have this rematch because um, there's a lot of fluctuation on both sides. Um, it, it's just it's great that the league designed chaos actually got chaos. And uh, the Chiefs were just chilling at the crib, you know. Yeah. Uh, that that was really fun to just see guys like Willie Gay and Juan Thornhill just sort of tweeting like just at the crib, like come like I really wanted somebody to be like, like just oh we were so close, Josh, to to having Davis Mills be in the Ring of Honor. Oh, we were so close. And it would have even I would have settled for just Chiefs players openly rooting for or against the tie, just explicitly being like, I, "We want the Steelers again," or "I'll oh, give us the Raiders." Which we should say, like, I, I do genuinely think that in the grand scheme of things, the only thing that could have been funnier outside of you know getting the bye would have been the thing, right? But the the two other situations by the end of the day being that the Chiefs were either going to get the Raiders or the Steelers is about as well as it could have gone without putting Davis Mills in the Ring of Honor, right? Like, we'll we'll have more time to talk about some of this later in the week, and I do want to see if there's anything else you think is interesting from the, the Broncos game, because there are a couple of good individual performances in there as well. But, like, maybe, I don't know, do you think they would have preferred to get that Raiders round three because they've obliterated them this year? Or are you are you assuming that there was no no real deep sadness with the Steelers making it? Because, again, those two teams would have easily been the two that I would I would have picked from that batch yeah no I, I think you're right um I think it's it's you know it won't be you know it would be easy to get up for the Raiders in your building to start the playoffs like that's mm-hmm. that's not a problem um as Seth mentioned yeah you don't want to be too confident going into this game against the Steelers but like at least you know you're the more talented team um, yep. you know, and you'll be at home, so you should go out there and handle your business, obviously. Um, so I don't think there was necessarily... Did you hear Patrick Mahomes post-game on the TV yes, I did. interview? Told yes. him, said we had been out there to handle our business. It's so important to handle your business. Handle your business. Um, which, by the way, he, he out here doing that. So... Yes, no kidding. Um, I just think it would have been glorious if Danny Amendola... Davis Mills oh. and, oh. and Rex Burkhead and somehow beat the Titans. Oh, uh, so I I get the sense that the Chiefs were very relieved to leave Denver with a victory um, mm-hmm. because it stops the swirling conversation of like, 
hey, you go into the playoffs stumbling, you've lost your last two, are the te- is the team quote unquote vulnerable? Like that would just would have been a lot more, I guess, nonsense being discussed around this team had they lost to yeah. Denver. Yeah. Um, so they benefit from that. Uh, in terms of like what I will take from this atrocity of a Denver game is that um, Patrick Mahomes is now like playing at a very high level. Um, and so I'll be fascinated to see what he is in the playoffs as like the most experienced quarterback in the AFC, um, which tells you how much a changing of the guard this is, uh, because yeah. outside of Ben Roethlisberger, it's him. Um, yeah. so I, I, interesting. it is, it's very interesting. I, I think that, um, the other thing I would take away from it too, is that Tyron Matthew has to play better. Walk me through that. So some poor angles, some missed tackles, uh, he's not around the football as much as he was earlier in the year. Um, I get the sense that he knows he had a bad game against the Cincinnati Bengals, and he was very upfront in in sharing that. Um, I, you know, I've I've obviously been of the opinion that he is the most important player on the defense. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, Seth and you guys feel like he's you know Chris Jones is the most talented. I've 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 agreed. Mm-hmm. But if this secondary is going to be, um, they're going to hold up. I think Tyron Matthew has to just play, just just play a little bit better. Um, and so, for a guy that is obviously dealing with some contract situations, um, we don't know what his future will be with the team. Even though the team has publicly said at every stop that they want to resign Tyron Matthew, uh, I just think that. Um, I'm noticing some slippage and, uh, if they're going to continue to be as aggressive as they are on defense, Tyron Matthews got to help hold up the back end. Um, and so it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I'm talking this through, but Mm -hmm. I, I did notice on Saturday that, I don't feel like he had a good game. And this is back-to-back games now. And I don't know if I've ever said that before about him in a Chiefs uniform where it's like, ooh, that, that's 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 two games in a row not at his standard or not at his expect expected um, production. I think that is eminently fair. One thing that I think has been kind of interesting over the – really, I mean – the the grand majority of this season he's he's been around a couple of turnovers but it's mostly been scooping up balls that bounce and he's around and he's even like tweeted about how you know i find the ball even when it the ball finds me something like you know even whenever it's it's not a play that that he's literally making it's something i asked Steve Spagnuolo about i mean months ago maybe a right. month into the season or something mm-hmm. where i said hey well you know if when you have Tyron Matthew how do you balance letting him be a, a hunter and being the guy that tries to keep the defense together. And and one thing that I think has been evident that I have no, I, I have not thought is necessarily a place to start this conversation because there's an easy pushback, but you you can go quarters, if not halves, and a couple of times this year, I think maybe a game 
and not really pay Tyron Matthew any mind, where he he simply does not come up from the broadcast view and necessarily being around any major plays. That does not mean he's not doing his job, which is why I haven't wanted to start a conversation there. Because if you are an opposing quarterback and your options are to either try to pick on Dan Sorensen or try to pick on Tyron Matthew, correct? you would be dumb to throw towards Tyron Matthew. Like, yep. I want to make that eminently clear. Yes. But whenever it's a combination of him not necessarily being in a position to be a ball hawk or a turnover creator or whatever – and you see some of those big plays and bad angles and maybe that one, that step is, is half a step slower than you would have thought. Somewhere in, in that realm, I I start to wonder a little bit. And it's also, it's not crazy. He's He'll, he'll be 30 when next season starts. Like, that's a, that's a dangerous time to give a guy another three or four year deal. It'll be, it'll be fascinating because um, schematically, I'm sure it infuriates fans, understandably, because you didn't really see much change. But, like, there's no need to see change defensively from Steve Spagnuolo against a Broncos team that, like, like you know, who cares? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just, I'll be, you know, we talk about the players because they're the ones on the field trying to execute and do their job at a high level. But I think playoffs um, tend to reveal just as much who has the best coaching staff um, as much as obviously the, the, the players on the field. So um, if there's, if there's stuff that they've hold or that they've worked on in practice that they're going to unveil against the Steelers, that'll obviously be fascinating. But I just think that, you know, Tyron Matthew, uh, it's, it's tough because we acknowledge a 17-game season is dumb. Mm-hmm. So when you know you're trying to get to the to the Super Bowl and that that already requires an additional three, and in this case, four games, you know, to, to be the champion, um it's 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 really tough. And I feel like Andy completely understands we've done just enough since our you know three and four start to do everything we needed to do to to get to a pretty good position in the playoffs a lot of teams would love to be the two seed um now that has less value than years in the past because you're obviously playing on wild card weekend so i i just wonder from a lot of the veteran players um how much they can uh, get a boost from the coaching staff, how much they can sort of thrive playing at home. Um, mm-hmm. And knowing that they're, you know, when you go on that field on Sunday, there's, there's no tomorrow. Like you have to win that game to move forward. And that may bring a, a different level of intensity, focus, um, hunger, you know, whichever words you want to use. Um, but I'm a, I'm a little concerned. And that's, again, that's the first time I've ever, because I know how valuable he is, and I know mm-hmm. all the roles he can play, and just how intelligent and like obviously super talented. But this is the first time where, you know, hey, uh, against the Denver Broncos, Tyron Matthew wasn't good, and Chris Jones needed just one sack to get yeah a million dollars, and he was never near the quarterback. Yeah, so. 
That can't happen moving forward. I think it's super interesting. I, I, I think what I wish, honestly, I'm also now just kind of talking through it because, and this is a, a more of an off season conversation, but we'll want, we'll want to remember this conversation in the off season if things don't go a little bit differently at some point. But I wish Tyron Matthew had one more year on his deal beyond this one. I'm guessing the Chiefs probably wish that also because I I think that. Even just getting another year of, of games from him and then seeing where you would be at by the 17th regular season game next year, I guess possibly 18th. Can they do it that quickly? I'm not sure. Um, I, I would I would much rather get to see the end of that before making a call on how much longer you'd want him to be around. But also, I think that one more year as the guy that is like the commander of the back of the defense or whatever would probably be about the right time. But... I don't think Tyron Matthews is going to sign a one-year deal this offseason. I don't know that would make a lot of sense for him to do. No, he is not. So I think that's going to be interesting. Um, Anything else on that? Do you want to leave that there? It's kind of a little – that feels like a a little um, plant a seed in Act 1 to to pay it off in Act 3. You know, we're going to pay it off in Act 3 in, like, March. We'll have this conversation again. Yeah. Yeah. No, that – I'll no. give you a positive. I'll give you a positive, kind of interesting takeaway from yesterday on the offensive side of the ball. If we want to switch it completely on its head, it's nice to hear you be kind of negative about the Chiefs' defense. You know, it feels it, it not because it's necessarily a, a, a net positive. It's just nice to hear it in your voice. You know, it's like, oh, you know what? We this show has range. I'm going to be really optimistic about a player that uh, I have been <laughs> accused on Twitter of not liking very much, which is totally unfair. Uh, but I, I want to play fun with, with the box score here. And this is not analysis by box score. It's fun with box score for just for a couple little exercises. McCole Hardman on Saturday had his first 100-yard receiving game with the Chiefs, which is shocking. Like, yep. on some level, it's shocking. And on some level, it's not at all. But, I think but, if you went and, and looked, go ahead. But the way he the way he responded to our questions after the game, it was like he had known that. He knew, uh, yeah, he absolutely. knew. He he completely knew. Even though we, as a collective media corps, probably were like, "Huh, that's interesting." Wow, you know. Um, but hey, he was in the same group with Sammy Watkins, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. So there is some understanding as to why. But it was kind of shocking when it's like, "Oh wow, it took the final game of your third season mm-hmm. to get a hundred yards receiving." In a pass-happy offense? Like, wow. Well, and so, I mean, the other reason, I think, is he's had games of 97, 96, 81, 79, 76, a couple in the 60s, a couple in the high 50s, you know. But a lot of those were on three or four receptions or one or two receptions. And, um, you, you know, whenever you have two catches for 97 yards, as he did against the Ravens in 2019 in week three, you think, well, you know, if he would have caught one of his other three targets that were not receptions, I'm looking at the box score again, um, that, or, or if his touchdown would have been from three yards farther out, you would. he had seven yards rushing that game. It was over 100 yards all purpose that day. Um, but that's, you know, that's the silliness of waiting for the round number. But he, he, he crossed 100 for the first time on Saturday. And it prompted me to look up something that I, I thought was interesting on Saturday and then something else I saw pop up today that I had to double check for myself because it seemed insane. 
The non-insane but still noteworthy thing is that McCall Hardman is third on the Chiefs in receptions and yards this year. He had 59 receptions for 693 yards. Byron Pringle had 42 receptions for 568 yards. And and also all-purpose yards, you know, Hardman yeah. was able to attack on a few more on the ground as well. Right. I think that if you asked most Chiefs fans who had the better year, I think most people would say McCall Hard or would say uh, By, Byron, Byron Pringle, Pringle over right. over McCall Hardman. He also caught a few more touchdowns, but I think most people would be surprised to hear that Hardman and, and had more receptions and receiving yards than Byron Pringle did. He also this year fifty nine catches, six hundred ninety three yards. In an extra game, to be fair, and obviously this other person was not playing every single regular season game, but that was a more uh, productive stat line purely in those two categories with an extra game plus the injuries than Sammy Watkins ended up putting up in his years in Kansas City over the course of a regular season. Again, Sammy Watkins had a bigger impact across many different times. In in 2019, Sammy Watkins played in 14 games and nearly beat these stat these Harbin stat lines in 17. Not telling you that that's an an equal equation. But I think it's super interesting because man, I I could not build in a lab a more interesting way of seeing how our expectations on guys influence how we think about and, and talk about and evaluate them because Byron Pringle is an awesome story. He's 28. He was at K-State for a thousand years. He made the team for prefer special teams. He got a couple catches and then just stuck around and grind, was grinding his way up to be this year, this team's number four wide receiver by by numbers. And in many cases, the number three receiver, pass catcher, that is, uh, you know, schematically. McCole Hardman was a second round pick who went before DK Metcalf and went around both before and after some really talented, full-package receivers. And I think that the the shine wore off him really, really quickly because of all of that. And so I just, I, I thought that, that that context of the year that, that McCole Hardman has had is super interesting. I've, I've been on this for a while. McCole Hardman's going to be on this team next year for yes. a million bucks or whatever. Yep. And he absolutely should be. He's not going to be Sammy Watkins. Uh, Byron Pringle does do things in this offense that I I don't necessarily think we've seen from McCole Hardman on a terribly frequent basis. But what he can do as a playmaker and does do, not just can, not just off potential, but there are 700 yards accounted for him, and again, more than that, 739 yards on, on this offense in this regular season that... I don't think anybody other than Tyreek Hill would have done in in quite that way, and you can't just have it all run through Tyreek Hill. So uh, not only a nice game for McCole Hardman there, but but I just think an interesting thought experiment about how we view him. Yeah, and knowing too that this is a really um, compelling upcoming postseason for him mm-hmm. because um, if teams want to do what the Buccaneers did, uh, which is play deep, Double cover Tyreek Hill at all cost. Um, try to be physical with with Travis Kelsey, of course, and kind of do that that halo coverage. Um, then that's gonna that's gonna lead to one on one opportunities, which were there in the Super Bowl last year. Um, and so you could say that here's a chance for real growth. Um, and it's great that he no longer has to deal with that sort of mental, you know, sort of weight 
um, of like being a second round pick who had never had a 100 yard receiving day. All right, that's over. That, that's mm-hmm. that's that's gone. You've accomplished that, and you did it without any circumstances being normal. Right. Um, right. He basically told us that he learned that Tyreek was dealing with his heel injury like just before kickoff. Hey man, you're gonna be doing. You're basically gonna be in Tyreek's role um, mm-hmm. when he's not on the field, which was quite often. Um. Obviously, he's a jet sweep guy. Uh, obviously, he he can run the you know the wasp route, which he did against the Bengals. Um, and so they're they're really starting to build um, options for McCole Hartman. And if he's really successful in the playoffs, I think to your point, Josh, maybe people's thoughts and opinions will change on him just because mm-hmm. you know we've we've spoken before that it takes receivers around the third year in an Andy Reid system to really like figure it all out. Um, yeah. Tyreek Hill did not come into the league and just light the world on fire as a quote unquote receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, they were just a guy that was, how can we get this man the ball? Hell put him yeah. at running back, you know? So, right. Um, so it, it takes a while. Um, and I know I've, I've had conversations with Sammy Watkins about that. So if it's year three and it's in the postseason and he does well, um, then it will it will it will change the narrative. And one thing I've always wondered about is how does the quarterback build trust with the receiver when you already have two Hall of Fame options? Yeah. And if and if Mahomes trusts McColl in the playoffs and it goes well from the start, then it can open up just about everything else for everybody else. Because I get the sense that Travis Kelsey doesn't need like you know, ten targets to be effective. Uh, right. We we just saw that against the Broncos. It was just like, hey, we need a third down. All right, Travis, go do this and we catch the ball. Hey, we need a touchdown. All right, Travis, run across the field. <laughs> um, you know, Tyree Kill has had to change some of his routes. Obviously, uh, he's gotten less opportunities, especially deep, um, than in years past, but. If you have that third option that is reliable, that used to be Sammy Watkins in Super Bowl 54, if that person eventually becomes McCole Hartman, um it'll be a turn it'll be a it'll be an interesting subplot of the season that I thought was coming a lot sooner, but they actually got to the destination just in time. Mm. I hope that we get a payoff on that in the playoffs. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Um, and on that note, I looked up, and we've gone over an hour by accident here. So, whoops, I guess we did have enough things to talk about today, which <laughs> feels like that could be the subtitle of the show. Uh, so we'll be back later in the week to specifically look ahead to Chief Steelers and, and everything that could happen in that game. And I guess, you know, beyond that game, I, it's crazy to be looking at that as if we were going to start – you know, getting ready for the divisional round of the playoffs because it is a playoff game specifically against a team that has been a nightmare for the Chiefs throughout its recent history. But that's the state of both the Chiefs and the Steelers right now, which is wild. Uh, but we'll we'll be back to talk about that almost certainly on Thursday, I think. But uh, we will we'll figure that out amongst ourselves in the meantime. Of course, you can always read Nate's work up on The Athletic. Uh, Seth writing over at mnchiefsfan.substack.com about Melvin Ingram first. I'm sure he'll have something else coming ahead of the Steelers game as well. Lots to get from Nate. Do you know what you're writing about? Anything from today, Nate, or, or anything you want to tease just yet? Uh, The tease is this collective group of rookies has just been 
exceptional in Chiefs history. Mm. I, I did some digging. Um, did you know, Josh, that the Chiefs had four rookies, Noah Gray, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, and obviously Nick Bolton, play at least 16 games and all have a role and all pretty much do pretty well for uh, rookies? So um, that'll be up in The Athletic, I think, on Tuesday. But just the idea that, like, for the first year of a draft class, I don't think it could have gone better for four of the six picks. Um, just having real roles on the team and obviously playing at a very high level. Not to make it negative, but it's also kind of like it, for for two of those guys to have played either virtually or literally no role this year and to still be able to say that at that class is a real boon in the explaining what those other guys have accomplished. Being yes. Bolton, Humphrey, and Smith, especially. Yep. Um, but but Noah Gray, look, I mean, we asked for a beautiful white horse on a sandy beach. Did that sandy horse get a lot of targets? No. No. Nope. Was he on that beach? He sure yep. was. Yep. Yep. His his hooves touched that end zone. Yes, he, he did. Got his, he got his hooves in the end zone. Yeah, that's what I'm. Yeah, that's that's the analogy. Yeah, the horse, the horse's hooves are in the end zone. Sure. That's, <laughs> think about how hard it would be to cover a horse. By the way, like, that does sound really difficult. Yes. Okay, that's it. We're, we're done here. This has been Time's Ours. You can also follow us on Twitter at ByNateTaylor, at RealMNChiefsFan, at JB Briscoe, and we'll be back later in the week for playoffs <laughs> against the Steelers. <laughs> ben Roethlisberger's retirement tour continues. It's like the last, it's like how every Elton John tour is Ooh, like the last Elton John tour, yes. but there's 57 of them. Yes. <laughs> it's probably the first time Ben Roethlisberger has been compared to, er- to Elton John. Oh, All right, get boy. us out of here. I don't know why I keep making this podcast longer. Oh, well, hey, you know, at least the Chiefs aren't the Chargers, who mm. who woke up today and was like, but how, Sway? Um, right. <laughs> at least the Chiefs aren't the Colts, who woke up today and were like, did we really just, did that really happen? And hey. At least the Chiefs aren't the Raiders, who, by the way, looked up and was like, oh, hell no. <laughs> so the Chiefs are 12 and 5. They have done enough. And they woke up today feeling pretty good. And you, as a listener, can feel just the same knowing that your team is, again, led by Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. And. You're not waking up this morning just feeling awful that your team somehow could not figure it out in the most important time of the year. So, hey, congratulations to the Chiefs, to our listeners. And look, I just think Carson Wentz is who he is. And it's it's, it's just, I've enjoyed every second of it. (laughs) 